Hello folks and welcome to another insightful episode of the Storyline. Today we have with us a very special guest who is the founder and chief grunt at the Huda Bar. Huda Masood has a post graduation in stem cells and regenerative medicine and a bachelor's in dental surgery. But her passion for food, eating right and healthy and being broke eventually drew her into the food manufacturing industry. Over the course of many years this slowly evolved into what is now known as the Huda Bar. Huda is also actively involved in bettering her immediate community. She has created a hyperlocal food group that is her grand social experiment in social impact. Originally just creating nutritious high energy bars, the Huda Bar now has a wide array of organic products available. Raw honeys direct from her beekeeper Himalayan barley flakes to organic tea herbs from Assam. Today we will be talking a lot about food, about eating right and about a transition into something that Huda has done and creating a huge impact in the community. So let's get conversing. Hi Huda and welcome on board. So our audience have heard a very formal introduction of you. So if you were given a chance to introduce yourself, how would you do that? I would introduce myself as permanently curious. Um there is a lot to learn and there's a lot that I'm curious about and I am currently doing um you know I started the Hudabar when um when I was still a researcher in the stem cell facility that I worked at in Hyderabad mm-hmm. and um I keep trying to find solutions to problems that will enable me to be more lazy I guess that's the that's the easiest way to put it so um food was something that I'm just I mean I love it but you know it's not something that I want to be slaving over for hours and hours and bacterial cultures and um protein cultures wait for no man mm-hmm. so it was just easy to make breakfast uh one day in a month and just carry it in my bag so that's how I started making the bars and then when I lost my job Mm-hmm. and i got divorced i moved back to bangalore and um i was looking for work and i made the bars so i didn't have to eat outside while i was pounding the pavement um giving interviews or interviewing for work any work right. and then right. when i got involved with the motorcycle travel community um it's called mtm motorcycle travelers meet mm-hmm. um uh-huh. i met a bunch of people that really wanted the granola bars because it just made their lives so much simpler. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I'm just permanently curious. I think that's how I would Okay, so that's perfect to have known a little about how all of this started, but if we can get to know a little more about Huda Bar as a brand and what do you all sell, what are the various nuances of the brand? It began because I was a researcher at the Institute of Life Sciences in Hyderabad Central University, mm-hmm. and it sort of took a life of its own when motorcycle travelers wanted to buy um, granola bars that I made because they were so dense and so heavy 
that they sufficed as a meal and they could stop at any point and have them with a little bit of water yeah. rather than yeah. stopping at a dhaba or a place that they didn't really want to stop at um so the hudabar evolved from me making multiple batches a day in my little kitchen i guess i'm a kitchen table entrepreneur okay. to okay. um exploring india for the wide variety of agricultural produce it has to offer and sort of tweak it to what i wanted to put in the bars uh, one of our usps is that apart from the dates that come in from the middle east mm-hmm. everything else uh that we use in the hudabar is um sourced from india from you know uh indian producers indian farmers and we're very proud of it we've worked very very hard to find right. um the ingredients that are suitable for granola bars mm-hmm. it's really uh-huh. easy to basically just you know buy a bunch of imported stuff because it's a lot cheaper in some cases but building relationships with the farmers with the farmer producers with the people who process agricultural produce has been very rewarding so now we don't just sell bars um energy bars we also sell raw honey that we procure directly from beekeepers all over india right um right. honey is so fascinating that it would take a whole day for me to just tell you about the various facets of honey but i'm going to keep it short uh, the beekeeper that i primarily work with mm-hmm. is somebody who actually enables livelihoods all across india and he teaches them how to sustainably and sensitively harvest honey from beehives especially wild beehives so that the bees can regenerate their homes and their hives and there's enough honey left over for them as well to carry them through the monsoons and the times that they cannot forage So I'm very proud to be associated with amazing people like this. Oh sure. Oh sure. Yeah. So honey um bars um nut butters um also we've started doing fresh produce. Fresh produce came about as a necessity or out of desperation during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have a way to pay salaries then because you know everything was shut down and movement was restricted. You know this. Yeah. It was yeah. so sudden like we had 4 hours before lockdown started. Right. Uh and yeah that's about it. I mean I was making hummus and pesto and um thum at home and I was just you know selling jars and jars of it. It was it was a throwback to back to 2016 or 2015 uh-huh. when I first started making the bars. It was like I was starting from scratch all over again. But Touchwood um the community that I fostered I administer a um geographically bound food group mm-hmm. um in Richmond town and Langford town and they just rose up to the occasion they were so supportive and you know every day there would be hummus people buying hummus and people buying thum and people buying pesto and everybody was talking about food everybody was talking about health it was just it was an opportunity to get closer to the I think this whole community thing that you're mentioning about is super interesting. So what exactly sort of led you to um, you know bringing a community together? What was the real intention behind this? Community mostly because I wanted to get the people um in in the community that I live in in touch with the farmers that I worked with. Um because you know it would just mean that it would translate into bigger uh bigger margins for farmers. directly and a yeah. a 
you know, a better price for their produce and it would incentivize them to actually grow organic produce. Mm -hmm. So the intent was that. And I said, is if anybody's interested, please join. And I didn't expect more than 10 or 15 people to join. Um, And the only, there were only um, sort of three conditions to it. One that you had to be from the Richmond town area uh, because I, I I just wanted accountability over there. Uh, the second thing was only original content, no videos, no forwards, no good morning messages. Mm-hmm. And the third one was no health claims unless they were backed by data that was published in a high impact scientific peer reviewed journal. So you can imagine that nobody touched that last um, last condition. <laughs> <laughs> Like there was no like this will help with your diabetes anymore. I'm like, show me the show me the data, show me the paper. Right, you know, right. I don't want Medline Health News, all of these websites. I want actual scientific papers. So a couple of people tried and then they just like gave up. And I think everybody else just settled in. So um it wasn't 15 people who joined. We actually outgrew our WhatsApp group. Our WhatsApp group is limited to 255 people. And right now we're at 350 people. Wow. And wow. surprisingly, I think I didn't mean for it to be exclusive. It's, it was never about excluding people. It was just about accountability and knowing, getting to know your neighbors better. But you had all these people that were just on this waiting list Um and they were complaining because nobody left the group. So nobody could enter the group. And, you know, you had somebody who was at position one waiting for four months. And I had one irate woman who called me and she's like, my daughter is getting married. I need access to this food group now. And I'm like, I'm not sure how to help you. <laughs> I mean, there's a Google sheet with all the people and all their numbers and all that they provide. No, I need to be on this group. I'm like, I cannot help you. I'm really sorry. And so that's when we made the decision to move to Telegram, which allows for a lot more people. And this was a fantastic social experiment because all of these people, if you know Richmond Town, you know that a lot of retired people and older folk live in Richmond Town. Yes. And they're very resistant to change. They're very resistant to, to adopting new tech. And... It was amazing. Like I said, we're shifting over and everybody, you know how the norm is. Everybody's grumbling and we don't know how to do this. But I almost 98% of the people that were on the WhatsApp group downloaded Telegram, Mm -hmm. installed it, learned how to use it. And it took about a week. It took about a week of tech support from me and the other admins because Telegram is not very intuitive uh, when compared to WhatsApp in terms of responding, in terms of private messaging, all of those things. Right. But right. they did it and it was fantastic. It was a phenomenal social experiment that in my opinion succeeded. I mean, I should write a paper about this, but I'm damn thrilled. So the in, unintended side effect of this was that we discovered a whole bunch of chefs, home chefs mm-hmm. in uh, Richmond and Langford town. Yeah. Yeah. And now the dynamics and it transcended everything because nothing there's no um, there's no uh, sort of barriers, these artificial barriers uh, or social constructs which come in because of religion or because of community or because of tradition were not there. Everybody was just talking food. 
Yeah, and there yeah. were there were no taboos. I mean, you could talk about meat, you could t- talk about um, vegetables, you could talk about fat. Uh, and because of the whole health claim needing data support was uh, was put into place, um, you know, there was no more um, back and forth about this isn't healthy for you or this is much better for you and all of those right, things. Right. So in addition to having farmers and introducing people who had like farms, um, who could bring in their produce and it would, be, it would be gone in minutes like for example there's a lady named Sharon who um, brings in avocados from her farm twice a year and they disappear within five minutes of her posting on the group saying hey I have avocados mm-hmm. similar to that lemons tomatoes bananas a whole bunch of gentlemen farmers are putting up their produce on the group as well uh, so in addition to that we also have a lot of home chefs that are offering meals and support yeah, yeah. to older people in the community. And as one of my friends fondly says, half of Richmond town has stopped cooking completely and half of Richmond town is cooking up a storm. So I think as we're talking about um, various things today with respect to food, health, community, I think you're the right person to help me understand uh, what this word organic means. I understand that today we're in the 21st century, things are evolving and developing at such a rapid rate. And in the year 2021, it's a very different world we live in today. But the word organic comes with a huge responsibility. So what exactly does this word actually mean? So I'm in a unique position to tell you this because I'm also consulting with a company called Pro Nature Organic Foods Private Limited. And I've known the founder for the last eight years. He's been a mentor of sorts. Um, and organic um, is not actually um, heavily abused in India. There are very strict regulations, mm-hmm. but um, there's also a, a, vi- a wide variety of definitions for it. But the simplest one is this. It basically means that you're not using synthetic pesticides or fertilizers to augment the soil when you're growing crop. Okay. So, okay. for example, if you're growing dal, all right, you don't yeah. put in urea yeah. or you don't put in superphosphates to fertilize the soil. You use natural inputs like, you know, manure, um, bone meal, um, you know, mulching. You try and use those methods to sort of like replenish the soil of the nutrients that the and then, you know, crop rotation also takes place because Say, for example, maybe Turdal will take up magnesium and selenium or phosphates, um, but um, peanuts, uh, you know, nitrogen fix the soil. So you can do one crop of Turdal, you can do another crop of peanuts, but you don't monocrop intensively mm-hmm. uh-huh. and keep adding chemical inputs or synthetic inputs. Everything's chemical, but synthetic inputs. Um And then with regards to pesticides, you don't use synthetic pesticides that not just kill the pests that are on the plants, but also the surrounding um, uh, life around it, sort of like ladybugs and beetles and bees. Mm -hmm. Uh, But you use natural pesticides um, that work on osmosis. For example, you use um, soap water to remove aphids or mealybugs because they have soft skins and soap water dries them out and they sort of fall over and die that way. And you don't adversely... Um, affect the natural um, fauna that is present in the area so no synthetic inputs Um, it 
it sort of forces you to be much more careful and much more kinder to the earth and to the surroundings there. And when you are processing it, you can't use chemical inputs either. For example, a lot of commercial dal um, mm-hmm. is processed with alkaline, alkalis, right. um, in right. order to uh, process it faster because you need to remove the husk. Mm-hmm. You need to remove uh-huh. the chilka from the top of the legumes, right? Yeah. Yeah. And um, you can't do that when, when you're saying organic. You actually have to take the long way around and you have to thresh it and you have to soak it in water then you have to sun dry it so that the skins become wrinkled and then you have to sort of like put it through a mechanical sort of um, rubbing you rub between two meshes and that's when you get really good quality dal so all of these things I've learned because I've one I am working with pro nature right now but also because I've been I've been interacting with my farmers and it's something that you never even think about you never think about it when you pick up a packet of dal you never think about how it's been processed so my um the simplest definition of organic is no synthetic inputs whether it's um fertilizers or pesticides and no synthetic inputs when you're processing it as well all right all right so huda i think it's the right time to ask you this question to understand um your process as an individual as an entrepreneur today so what is your philosophy of uh, showing up to do what you do on a daily basis my philosophy and it extends across my life is to do no harm first and then do good um yeah. there there they can be harmful consequences to doing good and that's where you just need to be mindful to show up to do what i love is i mean it's it's a very difficult journey i have i have i i can honestly tell you that we were about to shut down in january um mm-hmm. this year um because we had no money uh, the pandemic had you know uh, it was like lighting a match to my savings like i had nothing right. left and my partner uh, and co-founder pratiba stepped in when she heard about this and she's like i will help and mm-hmm. she's been amazing like that so it's about being kind i think it's about doing no harm first it's about being kind and it's about making the highest impact that you can make with whatever resources you have at hand so i make sure that my rupee wherever i choose to spend it has the highest impact and that's why i do the work to find the agri produce um you know the, the farmer producer or the processor or all these yeah. small 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 guys that i work with because it's not just business with them i know about their lives i know what they're going through i can help 2000 rupees for me uh, may make a much smaller difference to my life but it may mean uh the difference between him or her surviving surviving that month or surviving those two months until they get back on their feet food um being mindful being kind and uh contributing to the local economy is something that i've learned and i it's with great wonder and joy that i see how it flourishes 
And I, this is the advice that I give all my friends uh, who are getting into business these days. I said that make something, create a protocol for it, standardize it, pass it on. Your mind is more valuable than repetitive motions that your body is doing just because this is making you some money in the short term. I think that's phenomenal advice and honestly one of the best that I've heard in a very long time because I think sometimes you believe that your leg has to be in every place and I think it is this um, control that we're holding on to but I think uh, you wonderfully put it across that sometimes your mind needs the space to create and I think that's why we all are doing uh, what we're doing so thank you for mentioning that perfect so which also brings us uh, to the next uh, set of questions that I had uh, for you. I think it's to do with small businesses as an owner today of a small business. And I think the pandemic has led to a blow up of a lot of small businesses. And um, so I think although we have evolved with this, there is a lot more opportunity. But somewhere I feel like the approach to small businesses is still taken in a very casual manner. So what do you think has to change from a consumer perspective or any perspective per se when it comes to the approach to these small businesses? Um, there are two aspects to this. One is the support that the government and the, the, the official infrastructure provides. Mm -hmm. And then the other aspect is consumer behavior. Um, Indians are very price sensitive and, you know, we've been spoiled because, uh, you know, we're used to bargaining, I guess. Yeah. In this yeah. case, post-pandemic, I'm going to ask consumers to do their research, do their due diligence and support small businesses, even if you have to pay 15, 20, 30 percent extra, because these businesses are enabling livelihoods and they're doing good things with this money. Mm -hmm. They're not, you know, blowing it up on yachts or vacations or frippery. They're yeah. enabling yeah. livelihoods and they're allowing decentralized amazing work to happen. Um, case in point being a chocolatier that I know who works with organic um, cacao beans in, from South India. Mm -hmm. And she makes the best chocolate I've ever, I've ever tasted. And I love chocolate. Uh, you should definitely look her up. Uh, her name's Akshaya and the chocolate company is called Sihi, S-I-H-I, Sihi Chocolatery. Okay. Um, from a government and infrastructure perspective, I think that um, it, business practices or registering a business and, you know, becoming a private limited or an LLP or even an entrepreneur is still relatively easy, but the bureaucracy that's surrounding it is very opaque. Mm -hmm. And we, um, because time is money, we tend to give bribes instead of buckling down and you know doing the work that is required to be done because it's just so difficult and it's so it's like a maze it's like go to this building and then go to this door number and then get a signature from here and get a signature from there and then pay a bribe yeah. over here because you need your file to be brought up on top mm -hmm. and while this has decreased because more more and more things have you know been put online there is still um, very little awareness about it. And it's something that I think it should be taken on a national footing to have people be made more aware of it. I still know people who are paying 3000 rupees as a consultancy fee to get a hundred rupee FSSAI license, which takes 10 minutes to register if you actually go to the website and do it online. So 
you have to reach out to government entities. I mean, if you're a small business, my recommendation is always, always go to MSME, which is medium, small and micro enterprises. Go to the MSME website, go to your local MSME chapter or your local MSME um, uh, department. Uh, the one in Bangalore is in Rajaji Nagar. And find out more. Take the time. Take two days. Take three days. Find out more. Don't be so cynical about starting business and not dealing with government officials. Uh, right. It sort of feeds into this vicious cycle that, you know, there's no trust on either side. And therefore, you get shafted by the middlemen over there. Businesses, yes, they are blowing up. Yes, we're seeing a decentralized economy. Yes, we're seeing uh, a lot more people supporting a lot more businesses. But please do the due diligence and please, you know, find out whether it goes, it loops back to the central philosophy that I have, the highest impact that you can make with the resources you have at hand. So try and find out what is the highest impact your rupee can make. I think there's so many things that you mentioned um, in this segment, which honestly, even I didn't know as a small business owner. So that's like you did mention, I think there are a lot of things, there's lack of awareness uh, uh, when it comes to all of us who are owning these small businesses. And it's very rare that we've, uh, we've been told that, you know, you have things like MSME and there are so many requisites. There are so many things that can actually, um, you know, from a policy perspective, from a government perspective, that is something that could be enabled. So I'm really glad you mentioned this. And I'm sure if there is anybody who runs a small business, uh, we've definitely developed a little more awareness. All I'd want to say right now is a big thank you for coming on board and talking to us about these various things. I think uh, the passion and the drive you have to uh, create the change and like you said, to create the highest impact with the resources you have is one of the most phenomenal lines that I've learned and I'm going to remind myself of this um, every time henceforth. So thank you for coming on board and sharing your story. Such a pleasure to have you on board. Uh, wishing you all the very best and hoping that the Huda Bar reaches the highest of its heights and continues to make the difference that it is.